another episode of Stoke Meter. We have David Beers with us. David, how the heck are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, it is absolutely great to have you here. And I couldn't thank you enough because I know that you are a busy man. And, and I got to tell the audience why. This man has his hands on so many things. It's amazing. Uh, he is the CEO of BioLexis as well as uh, Halea Therapeutics. He's also founded a number of different companies, uh, one of which he was the former CEO and founder of Tolero Pharma Pharmaceuticals, and it goes on and on and on. And one thing that is amazing about David is that he uses science to solve some incredible problems, and uh, he, he is busy finding different solutions and I'm I'm not going to go into all of that because it's so scientific, and I'm not I don't have that big time scientific background. But the impact that David has, has had has been amazing. And uh, one of the things that uh, that he he uses is a, our computational approaches to modeling protein small molecule interactions as a means of discovering new potential drug uh, candidates. Now, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, memorize that I, I actually just read that so <laughs> David without further ado again welcome to the show thank you so much <laughs> well so um you know it's been uh it's it's been an amazing ride for me over my career and to watch you know how drug discovery has changed um you know I trained with a guy who's a very famous uh clinical researcher a guy named Daniel von Hoff so Dr. von Hoff is uh He's run almost 500 phase one clinical trials in his career. So he's been the doctor that when companies and with, you know, people have gotten drugs ready to go into the clinic for the first time, he's the doctor that gives the drug to the patient for the first time. So he's kind of been, uh, you know, an institution for the last 40, almost 50 years of doing, uh, doing clinical research. And I had the great uh, opportunity as a young scientist to work with him. I was a, a postdoctoral fellow with him. And uh, why I worked with him, I probably saw a hundred new drugs enter the clinic and, and you know, get early clinical data. And I, I have to say that, you know, there's, there's nothing like being in the trenches with, with, you know, watching these, um, these data come out in, in, you know, in real time and learning from the good things and bad things that happen as, as these, uh, these programs move forward. And so for me, I, it's just been an amazing to watch how things have changed over my, my career and uh, what we can do now that we could only just dream of 25 years ago. And, and it's, it just seems that the, the, the pace and the, uh, the scale of what we can do now is so different than it was even just a few years ago. And so super excited about, you know, having a conversation with you, just talking about, you know, how, how do we discover new drugs to take into people? And, and, you know, for me, I'm motivated every day. I get up every, every morning thinking today's the day we might get that data that says we found something that change, could change the world. And, and, you know, I think uh, if I have to work every day, that's not a bad thing to wake up and do. Right. So, so to me, I, I, I think about it every day is, you know, can I, can I make a discovery today that's going to really change the impact of, of millions of people. And, and, you know, the amazing thing is that's possible, right? That, that we can actually do that. And, you know, when we look at, at back at, at drugs that, that uh, changed the world, well, just recently, just uh, 
you know, what happened during COVID and, and how the, the drug discovery accelerated very fast. We got vaccines, we got other drugs that could, could help uh, with, with a major, you know, global pandemic. And just, just to see how quickly those things happen, it's just truly remarkable. So yeah, I'd love to, love to chat with you about, you know, how, how that's all come about and, and what oh, we're, yeah. what we're doing now that's different than what we did in the past and, and how we're trying to, to be leaders in, in changing the way we discover and develop drugs. Yeah. Well, one of the first questions I've got to get down to is the, the time that I've, I've known you, you, you have literally started or had your hands in a number of different companies and a, a number of different uh, pharmaceuticals. And it seems like it gets faster and faster and faster. And I know technology is one of the contributors to that acceleration and finding those solutions, but what other things would you attribute it to? And even more so, what have you learned in the process and what knowledge have you uh, disseminated the people that you work with? Because now it's a big company. So it's, it goes from inception to boom. <laughs> so how, how, yeah. how does that go about? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's been fun to be involved in, in, you know, I love building things and growing things and, you know, being involved with a, a conception of an, an idea to say, what if we could do this and then to actually do it and build a company around it. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, sometimes I take a step back and look and just think, holy cow, we, we built this, we created this from, <laughs> from nothing, from an idea. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's it's uh in the pace as you mentioned i think that that we can do things now that just you know a few years ago we weren't able to do so you know maybe i can give you just a little bit of history of, of where i started and, yes. and you know how we've kind of the timeline of things so so it's funny you know when i worked with dr von hoff you know i watched him you know be able to to um work with a lot of companies, you know, every company in the world will come and present to us. And, you know, we have the Pfizer's and the Merck's and, you know, the big, big companies. And then even the tiny little biotech companies would come in. And, you know, I, I remember a lot of, uh, uh, you know, companies that were like five people, you know, the whole company came in and presented to us. And and then, you know, a couple of years later, this company turned into something big, you know, they they had a success and the, their idea worked out. And so, you know, that got me interested in, the idea that, that I could create something that could, you know, could turn into uh, something that could be, be you know, a, a, a driver for good and change in the world. And so, you know, we we worked a lot in our group uh, when I was a, a professor in in trying to come up with, with new ways to discover drugs. And and you know, when you're when you're a small team, you have to think about how can we compete. You know, when Pfizer has two hundred fifty thousand employees, you know, they, you know, they, they've got you know tens of thousands of scientists working on the same problem as you, and you've got ten people, you know, in your team. You know, how how can you compete with that? And so you have to find ways to um, to leverage you know the strengths that you have. And I think one of the things that we become good at over the years is is having biological insight into diseases that that is 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 really there's there's no good way to develop that other than just by experience so mm -hmm. so the only way to do it is just doing it you know many 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 times and, and trying different ideas and different things and and seeing what works and doesn't work and so you know over the years i've gotten better and better at having just a a sense of of intuition of what what what's a good targeting strategy or good pathway from the biology side but then we also have to figure out how do we 
how do we bridge that to become something that's actually a real therapeutic that can help real people? And so, you know, what's the right disease to look at? What's the, um, you know, what's the targeting strategy that we go through? And so we, you know, as a small little group, we, we have to, you know, I always tell people that, that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? That when you have to do something, that's when you, that's when you come up with innovative ideas. And I think that that's why small companies and small groups can compete with larger ones, because I don't think there's that same sense of urgency and necessity in Pfizer than there is at a tiny little company. Cause you know, those guys are going to get their paycheck, whether it works or doesn't work, whether what they're working on works or doesn't. But the people I work with, they live and die by whether we're successful. And so, so it's a, it's a different level, I think of, of urgency and necessity and that drives innovation, right? Because we have to come up with ways to solve problems Yes. That, that other groups are going to just brute force their way through, right? If I had, if I had, you know, infinite funding, I could, I could brute force my way through a lot of things, uh -huh. but, but if I don't have that, which I've really never had it, you know, I I'm always, you know, you know, <laughs> trying to make the most out of the little amount of funding I have, you know, we come up with, try, we try to come up with clever ways to, to, to get to solutions that is is different than than you know what exists currently. And so when we were when we were first starting out with the idea that we could we could actually be competitive in finding new drugs, we we thought, and this was back in the late 1990s, we thought, well, what if we could use computational approaches? And back then, you know, that was kind of an unheard of thing that that you right. know computation computational approaches in biology and chemistry were were kind of um they were used for confirmatory. So once you've already discovered something and when you, once you've already kind of worked it out, you use computational stuff to kind of confirm that what you've already know is true. And so, so people were just starting to adopt those tools as a way to confirm something they already have discovered. But we wanted to say, well, what if we could actually use these same tools to actually discover new things? And, and it's funny because, you know, we we went out and started and and my my good friend and partner I think one of the other things I've learned is you got to have good people that you work with so oh, yes. Hari Prasad Ben Kalapati Hari we we just call him Hari because his name's hard to pronounce but <laughs> Hari and I have been uh, have been partners for a long time and you know we're kind of we we think of ourselves as as like musicians I write the words and he puts the you know he puts the music to those you know, those lyrics. And and so we, we found a match where we've got somebody on the biology side, which is me and somebody on the chemistry side, which is Hari, that, that we sit down together and we come, we work closely to figure out how to solve some of these, these questions and problems. But Hari was a very willing partner to jump in and say, well, let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can use these computational tools to actually discover drugs as opposed to just kind of confirm that they, you know, that they do what we think they do. So, so we, we were one of the first groups to really on a large scale to start, start to use computational techniques. And, and, you know, people ask me all the time, well, you know, how did you figure all that out? It's like, well, we had to, right? <laughs> we, 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 to be competitive, you know, when there's only five of us working on a project and we're working on the same project as a big company that has, you know, you know, thousands of people to throw at that same project. The only way we can be competitive is be innovative. And so what we did is, is we, um, we figured out um, how to use, how to model biology in, in unique ways. And so, so back then we, it, you know, it's funny because 
it, it seems like a, you know a long time ago, but it was really wasn't that long ago. Right. I mean, it was it was just a, a few years ago. We we were really bad as a field, you know, just just bad at at knowing, you know, how how drugs interacted with proteins, and and that's that's something that's kind of the premise of what all drugs. And I shouldn't say all because as a scientist, whenever you say all, it, it's you're wrong because there's always exceptions. But <laughs> but I should say most drugs, most drugs work by binding to proteins, and proteins are the are the the workhorses inside of our body. When you look at when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're actually looking at a bunch of different proteins that have been put together. And so our body functionally functions because of the proteins that we express. And so when things go wrong in a disease it's those proteins that actually they, they, they're not, they don't function properly. And that's what leads to things like cancer and Alzheimer's and, you know, every disease that you can think of. So when we design drugs, we try to either restore the function of a, of, of a protein that's been lost and that's very hard to do, or we inhibit the pro the function of a protein that's kind of lost its regulation. And that's what most drugs do is they, they inhibit the function of, a dysfunctional protein. And so we, we, we came up with some ways to model that, mm -hmm. uh, and, and to make predictions based off of those models. And that's really what our process has always been is model something, make predictions and then test those predictions. And if they work, then we accept the model. If they don't work, then we go back and fix the model so that we can, we can make better predictions. And that, that sounds really simple, but it was really, really hard to, yes. to build that. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. The, I mean, that's scientific inquiry, right? It's, it's going yes. through that process. Yep. That's and, exactly and right. The, yep. And what I love is how you, you've accelerated that process so that the assumption is no longer assumption as long as it typically is. And and, yep. and to your point, that's that's exactly why you've been able to identify so many so many um, solutions to these 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 problems that are out there. But oh my goodness, no, keep going, David. I I just had to interject. That was it's so cool to hear it from this point of view because first of all, I didn't know a whole lot about proteins. I I knew of their their uh importance and so on especially all these all these workout guys protein protein but yeah. you don't realize yeah. what the things are that it really puts together i mean my my father died of a multiple myeloma and yeah. And, yep. and yeah you think about those things and going back to there i i don't think i ever remember hearing protein associated with that back and this was back in the early 90s right so yep. just i wish you were there oh no 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 that's great and and you know it's it's uh you know my my own mother you know she passed away of cancer colon cancer and my my grandfather passed away of colon cancer at a very young age and so i've always been motivated and really you know when i when i look at myself and say why do i do this you know why do i put myself through all this well, you know, at the end of the day, I want other people's moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to be around a little longer. And, you know, I, I, you know, I know you probably feel the same way. Yeah, I would trade a whole lot, everything I have to have more time with my mom. I mean, that's, that's, uh, and that's, that's really what I'm trying to provide. And so, you know, that's the driving force behind what we do. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's interesting as we break down, you know, why, why do we get sick and what, what causes these diseases? It, and it's just dysregulation. Our, our bodies are so complex how they function. And it's, it's remarkable. It's a real miracle that they, 
you know, that we, we stay alive as long as we do, because yes. it's just amazing how much, how much has to happen and how many things have to go right in order for, for our bodies to function. And, you know, it, it makes sense as you, you understand how complicated that machinery is that sometimes, I mean, we're all familiar, our cars break down and they're very simple compared to what our bodies are. And so our bodies break down and our bodies have an amazing ability to heal themselves and to fix things. But sometimes, you know, things get away from us and we can't fix them. And so, you know, that's where modern medicine is, is let's, let's figure out how to, how to intervene in a way that allows either the body to heal itself or, or try to get rid of the things, the cells that have become dysregulated, those proteins that have become, uh, you know, dysregulated in a way that they're causing disease. And so that's, that's really what we're, we're trying to do. And so, you know, we, we've, um, we've gotten better and better over time. And, and, you know, we're, we're to the point now where we're challenging ourselves with, with some of the hardest problems that are out there and saying, okay, you know, we, we, we've shown that this technique and this approach works for things that, that, uh, that are, are kind of validated to say, you know, so, so just to dig one level deeper here, and I, I don't want to turn this into too much of a biology lecture, oh, please but, but, do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but most of, most of the proteins that we actually target with, with drugs are enzymes. So enzymes are, are proteins that will catalyze, um, chemical reactions inside our body. So like, for example, we, we, we use enzymes to digest our food. So when we eat food, yeah. that food is full of nutrients that we break down. So they're complex when we eat them, and then we break them down into, into basic building blocks. And we do that through, through enzymes. So we have enzymes that we produce inside of our body that will go and chew up the food that we, that we ingest, and we'll break it down into, into basic building blocks. And then we use those building blocks to support ourselves. And uh, so most drugs target enzymes. And so we have drugs that, that, that will target enzymes that, that catalyze, you know, all kinds of things in cancer. We focus a lot on enzymes that drive cell growth. Cause we know that cancer, you know, cancer is a disease that it is associated with uncontrolled proliferation of cells. The cells just keep growing. They don't, they lose their normal uh, regulatory mechanisms. And so we try to target enzymes that will, will limit cell growth. And so we've been successful with a lot of drugs that do that. And so, you know, we, we, we started with, with well-validated enzymes that we said, okay, we know that if we inhibit that and we, we kind of have an idea of how to inhibit it, because it, the cool thing about enzymes is they have a, they have a, a, a business side, you know, they, they there's a place <laughs> where we know that, that where they, where the actual, activity resides and we just try to stick things in there to stop the function of that enzyme and that's what how we you know that's how a, the drug targeting strategy works well now we're challenging ourselves to say can we target things that aren't enzymes so other proteins that get messed up that actually don't have an enzymatic function and that's been a real challenge i mean that's a that that's a, been kind of one of the 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 holy grails that we've been looking at saying if we could do that and so we're to the point now where you know, we feel like we've got a reasonable chance of, uh, you know, develop, finding, you know, lead therapeutic compounds that can actually target almost every protein structure that you can come up with. And, and there's been a lot of breakthroughs that have happened in the, just in the past three or four years that have enabled that. And so, you know, I don't know, you probably haven't heard this, but, uh, you know, cause this is, this is big in my world, but it's not, it's not widely, you know, understood, but, but, um, 
you know, it's funny, you know, we, we hear all the time about how artificial intelligence is changing everything, right? Yes. These AI algorithms that are yes. out there and, and chat GTP and all these things that people are excited about. Well, we have the same thing going on right now at the same time in our world. And in fact, some of the same players like Google and Facebook and, you know, these, these companies, they're working on AI algorithms for all kinds of things. So Google had a group that they use a... Um, an algorithm called DeepMind. And so they have a an artificial machine learning algorithm that tries to, they, they throw all kinds of problems at it and see if it can figure them out. And so one of the things that Google did was they they trained their, their artificial intelligence to try to learn how proteins fold. So when a protein is made, it's made as a, as a linear sequence of amino acids. So amino acids are put together to build a protein chain. And then that, in order to be a functional protein, it has to fold up into a three-dimensional structure. And that's what a functional protein looks like. Well, one of the big challenges for us using computational techniques is we don't know how all those proteins fold up. We, we, we had a hard time. We could, we could well, read the amino acid sequence, but we didn't know what the three-dimensional structure looked like. And so Google actually in two years ago, uh, I guess just over two years ago, uh, they solved that problem. So, no so they, they developed a algorithm that could reproducibly uh, accurately predict the structure of proteins based off of amino acid sequence. And it's not perfect, but it's really, really good at getting a starting point so now, you know, where we, you know, literally 10 years ago, we had just a, a, you know, a few hundred or a thousand of these three-dimensional structures that we could rely on. And now we have every one of them. We have That's every amazing. So, so we can, it's, it's amazing. And so it's because of these artificial intelligence algorithms and they're just getting better and better all the time. So yeah. the one that Google made was called AlphaFold and they've actually made some improvements to it. And there's a bunch of other ones out there now that have kind of, done the same thing. So so the tools that we have available because of artificial intelligence has just revolutionized what we can do. You know, in the old days, we, we were limited to, you know, things that we had pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. deep knowledge, you know, a limited number of proteins that we had a lot of information about. And now we can, anything we can dream of, we can basically go and test. We can say, well, what if we could do that? And 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 we did, we're not limited by the idea that we need all of this this really hard to get structural information because we can use these algorithms to just fold up these proteins and say what do they look like and and how can we design a drug? So we're getting to the point now where you know we 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 feel like you know we're we're on just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can what we can do in terms of of finding new new uh, new drugs and and not just drugs. You know, one of the exciting things is the the approaches that we've used to di to discover drugs to treat human diseases. Those same approaches will work for every living thing in the oh in, on the planet. Goodness, and and so we haven't used them because they're too expensive. You know, sure. so so we haven't used them for plants and for fish and for yeah. you know yeah you know pets and and livestock because it's too expensive. But if we can make it cheaper and faster. Then yes. maybe we can start using these same tools to to look for things that could actually increase the growth of plants and and uh, wow. you know new pesticides that target insects and new you know you know take these these technologies and apply them in areas that we haven't been able to because 
they're cost prohibitive, yeah. but it could open up a whole new world. So we're, we're excited about all the possibilities of things that we could do. And, and even, you know, I mean, every day we come up with a new idea to say, well, what if we could do this? <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, and the cool thing is now we can at least test that idea and say, right. well, give it a try. Cause, cause we, we can, we can test a lot of this stuff very, you know, quickly. And I mean, I, I go to Hari almost, on a, on a weekly basis and come in and say, Hey, give this one a try. And literally the next week you'll have something to say, look what I, you know, look at this. And <laughs> you know, the, I, I actually found something. So, uh, so it's, it's like, it's like the most exciting time in my career. And, and I just see it just exploding, you know, the, 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 the types of things that we can do. Well, what blows my mind is I look back when I went, I went to school in the eighties, man. And I remember yeah. they had the, that, that protein, uh, model where you you took took stuff and you that and that's all I knew of what that looked like. Yeah, yeah. And now I look yeah. back in the eighties and then you fast forward to now and that's just a little that's that that was science fiction back then and now that it's happening yeah. it's blowing my yeah. mind right. And the other yeah, thing too yeah, is looking at your background. I mean, you've been everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Yeah. Your your scientific background is is very there's very few people that can match that but hearing you now and hearing the excitement and the possibility and where this is going right now is absolutely mind-blowing because i can tell you're excited about it and it keeps you going yeah. and and there was matter of fact that one of our uh one of our other guests said that um the the key to his success as a company was the ability to continually solve problems. And that's exactly what you folks do on a day-to-day -day basis. And it is going faster and faster and faster. How do you, how do you focus that? I mean, there's so many yeah. tangents that you could go off of. Yeah. How in the world do you focus and then, then move on? It's easier said than done. No doubt about that. It right? is. Yeah, no, it is. And, and, you know, it's one of the things that I think, um, you know, I've learned over the years, because I've not always been good at this, but, but you know, being able to prioritize and say, we can do a thousand things, but let's do this one. You know, let, right. let's, let's, you know, and, and I think one of the things that we've tried to do is to break things down into steps. And so, so we know that, that, you know, even as good as we've gotten at this, we still have a lot of projects that fail and, and they fail for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I've always dealt with failure is, you know, we, we learn from everything that, that, you know, every project we learn from, whether it works or doesn't work, we learn something. And so we try to incorporate that to get better and better every time. But the other thing is, you know, we do play a bit of the numbers game and say, if I have to start 10 projects to get one that works, then I better start 10 projects, right? So so we do try to try to prioritize and say, and, and so we are constantly multitasking and, and you know, one of the things I, it's funny, I get people that come and visit and, and look at what we're doing and say, wow, how are you, how are you doing so many things? And I'm like, well, you know, in science, science is not a linear thing. We don't make discoveries like this. We yes. make them like this, right? <laughs> it's, 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 you know, there are, there are times where everything works and it's great and then nothing works and then everything works. And, and so there's these ups and downs. And the way that I've dealt with that, because that's a that's a horrible roller coaster to ride, right? If, yes, if it you're is. if you're really up one day and really down, I mean you're gonna your life is gonna be crazy. So the way that we mitigate that is we have everybody work on multiple things. And so then the average of that looks like this. You know, so, <laughs> so that you know, 
got, you've got the ups and downs of every program. But as long as you're going like this, then everybody's happy, right? So, so we try to we try to make sure that that um, you know we we kind of take an opposite approach. A lot of people, so a lot of a lot of companies and a lot of scientists will try to be a thousand feet deep, but but you know. But 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 a yeah. diameter of a, you know of, of a few inches you know but they, right. they they know that area really really well and we try to be experts but we try to be experts stretch stretch across a lot of the different areas and so yes. you know the people that I work with tend to become very um, um, their their ability to multitask is you know that that's one of the things they have to do to survive working with us but but they become you know very uh, broad based people they they have a, a broad uh expertise in in lots of different areas and and to me that's another way to keep people creatively engaged in what they're doing is you're constantly giving them new challenges every day and 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 it does you know i mean we don't we we may not be you know the the you know the classic scientist that's uh, you know a thousand feet deep and one inch around you know but but we we you know we can be 50 feet deep and you know, you know 50 feet wide yeah. right so so we have we have a lot more to draw from and and i think that what i've learned is that that um you know biology repeats itself so so things that seem very different can actually have a lot of similarities to each other and so we 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 can actually work on pretty diverse problems and realize that there are commonalities that's like oh wait a minute that looks a lot like this and and so one of the things that I think we've 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 found that's beneficial is doing multiple things at one time. You you can kind of they're they're not so different from each other that they you know that you have to compartmentalize all this information. You can actually look at it as a continuum and and uh, and apply things from one one you know you learn something over here that's going to help you over here. So yeah, so we uh, yeah we it's 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 a it's a constant battle to stay focused and right. and you know we we focus but we focus on multiple things so so we don't ever have just a single you know project and and i mean i i just i feel like you know i i'm not a I, I've gone through so many risky things that I'm not scared of much anymore. Like nothing, nothing scares me. But, but, but one thing that does scare me is having all my eggs in one basket, right? I, I just yeah. think that we we still don't know enough about human biology to to place all our bets to say this is going to work for sure. And so we always try to create, uh, uh, you know, we try to try to mitigate risk by having you know multiple things that we're working on. I, I think for me. It's the only way I can stay sane, right? It's that, yeah. that I have, I have, I, I don't have to have something, you know, that this one project is going to save us. That because you know the the chance of that happening, unfortunately, is you know you you still are playing a probability game that that isn't in your favor a lot of times. <laughs> well, you while you've been talking about that, two things came to mind. One has to be with uh, traditional organizational development, and the other one has to be with a movie. You ever see Ready Player One? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your companies remind me of Ready Player One. You go against all the big guys, <laughs> but because you have that broad expertise in the game, you understand yeah. how to go. And that that leads me to the next next thing in organizational development. I I've worked in a couple of tech firms, and to your point, when salesmen go out, they are sales. Boom, they are right in that that tunnel. And then the engineers, on the other hand. They are deep into the the possibilities of what what, what what we can create, and they'll get in that. And rarely did they communicate, <laughs> and hence yeah. so many of the problems came about. And what I'm seeing there, and talking with you and 
and David and, and and some others there. You folks have to know everything, at least in a little bit, so that you know how you're impacting each other and approaching that that market. And I'm just wondering, man, are you creating a new business model too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's you know what 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 is still a challenge is. You know, how do you scale what you do when you, when you have a small, innovative company that kind of has this culture of, you know, like I, I talked about, we, we, we're we driven by we have to invent, we have to innovate because we can't survive if we don't. But as we get bigger and more successful, how do you maintain that? Because right? yes. it, it's just the tendency, as soon as people feel like, that urgency is gone, then then it changes the way that people interact in their culture. Yes. And so we've we we've been trying to figure out, you know, we love that, you know, there's this this um uh this intensity that comes from the urgency that if we don't, if this doesn't, if we can't solve this problem, you know, we're all in big trouble. And you know, it and but once you solve it and you've had some success, how do you keep that, you know, so that that you, you and, and it's really hard to fake, right? You can't, pe- people know that that when, when something's really urgent and when you're trying to make it urgent. And so so I think we've we've tried to create these challenges that that we're constantly we're fighting biology, we're fighting cancer, right? That's yes. our that's our big uh that's our big challenge that's out there. And the good thing about staying focused out there is is that that become I mean that that's still far in the distant, right? So, I mean, we think that we're, and we are, we're making progress and we're making huge progress, but it's still, we're not to the point where, you know, everybody comes in and we have a treatment for everybody that's going to be effective. And so, so I think, you know, what we've tried to do is to, to, to keep people focused on the big, big problem, the big, you know, one thing that I learned from Von Hoff when I trained with him, he, he told me the very first day, he said, cancer never sleeps and neither should you. Because <laughs> he says, if, if you want to be cancer, cancer's working 24-7. And if you take time off, the cancer's still working. You know, that, and that's the sense of urgency that I got. And, and so I've tried to keep that so everyone feels like, you know, if we stop working, people are going to die. And, and so, and, and the bottom line is that's true. It's not, there's yeah. not a, you don't have, that's not made up that's real so yeah. so i think you know for us we're we're trying to hang on to that culture and and make people feel they're working on something that's really big and we're we're trying to solve big big problems yes. but you know we we break it up enough that we can have successes you know incremental successes along the way and we can celebrate those but the ur- the general urgency to say there's still you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying every year of these diseases that we're working on. So that keeps you motivated and keeps you focused. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a, it's, it, it's not easy though. It's, you know, you can be a victim of your own success very, very easily. Right. And, 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 and the last thing I ever want to do is become complacent. I, I, you know, I, I'm not the type of person I'm, I'm going to go find the next challenge, right? <laughs> go, oh, you are. Go, go and, okay. So that, 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 that begs another point there. I'm looking at your background there, out uh, over there, and what a fantastic-looking family for one. So, thank you. <laughs> with everything going on, how do you maintain that balance? Uh, that yeah, it, 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 because you have—I know cancer never sleeps, but man, that family is looking really good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I agree, and and you know, 
and and it is something that that I think all of us, you know, we we have to make a concerted effort to make sure that we do have some balance in our life because it is important. I mean, these people right here are are the reason why you know I'm 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 working to make sure not just financially, but to make sure that their future, you know, I mean, as I mentioned, my mom died of cancer, my grandpa died of cancer. The chance of me dying of cancer is quite high, just based off of my my genetics. And I pass that on to these guys as well. And so they, you know, I think that that we, you know, one of the things that I do is um these guys know a lot about what I what I work on. So so you know I I'm I'm probably not the right person to be talking about balance because I probably, you know, <laughs> when, when people ask me, well, what do you do for fun? It's like, well, I model proteins and I try to find your, <laughs> it's like, no, that's what you do for work. It's like, no, that's, that's what I do for fun as well. Right. So, so it's not like I, I don't have a ton of outside hobbies and things that I, I work on. So, you know, by default, these guys get, get very engaged with the things that I'm working on. But one of the things that I found that, that uh, keeps my family life in balance is, they, they feel part of what, what I'm doing. You know, they, you know, when my youngest, you know, this grandchild right here, he can tell you what his grandpa's working on. And, and, you know, when, when he comes over and visit, you know, I, I make sure that he understands, you know, that this is, this is what I do and this is why it's important. And I'm trying to help sick people. And, and, you know, and I think that gives them appreciation that when the times when I'm not there and, you know, when I'm, I'm not around, they know it's, you know, I'm trying to do something good. And, and, so we, you know, we've developed a family culture that that I think that they, they're excited. You know, I share with them, you know, things that we discover and, and, you know, I think a lot of people try to keep, you know, their work and life really separated. I'm not one of those people. I, I you know, my, <laughs> what, what, what I work on is, is, is a real part of me and, and, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it, it, it's a real tribute to my wife. She's been an incredible partner through all of this. I mean, I've done crazy, crazy things. I, you know, the first company I started, I had to sell my house and my cars to pay for, you know, to pay, um, to pay payroll. So, that, and we moved into an apartment with my sister with four little kids and my wife never complained. Not one time. She never, what, what she, a she just said, Oh my goodness. She's a saint. Yeah. She, she, she said to me, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this you do what you have to do and make this work. And, and, you know, I, I just think there's so many people that don't have that kind of support. And I'm just blessed that, that, you know, I, I just, you know, the, the best thing I ever did was marry her because I, I couldn't have done anything that, that I've done without having somebody that had my back. She's always, I mean, she never, never has been upset with me because, you know, I'm just like, honey, I'm trying to cure cancer. I mean, that's what I, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help people, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and she's my partner in that. And, and she, she's not a scientist, but she, she's very much involved in, uh, you know, she, she wants to know what's going on and what, you know, what discoveries we made and, and the advances. And, you know, so everything that, that, you know, she celebrates when things are great and she commiserates when things don't go well. And, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard uh, to strike that balance, but, but I've just been blessed to have, you know, and my kids have all been wonderful. And, you know, I've got uh, one of my sons, Ben, he works with me and and Josh and Andrew, my next two sons, they're, they're planning on going to medical school. They're in college right now. So, so I think some of that's rubbed off. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I'm, it's so neat to see it's a family mission instead of just yeah. an individual mission. That, that makes yes. a whole, a whole big of a difference. And 
with all that stuff, um, you have so many things that you've developed. I have to ask you this, and that is, have you ever met someone that benefited from something that you've been able to create? Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, it's it's one of the most rewarding things that's ever happened to me in my life is, you know, to have uh, patients and doctors tell me you saved somebody's life. And, and you know, I remember the very first drug that I discovered that went into the clinic. There was a 26 year old kid that had you know very advanced cancer, lots of metastasis in his liver, had, was given you know just weeks to live. And he had tried everything, all the, the, you know, the standard therapies. And he went on our clinical trial because, you know, that's what you do when you, ex when you expend all your, all your normal options, you have to try something that's a, a brand new idea. And, uh, you know, they, they ran a, they ran a, a news piece. This was in Texas where we were running the clinical trial and, uh, they, they brought in a film crew to talk to the doctors about new discoveries. And they highlighted this individual and, uh, you know, it's and they sent me a copy before they published this and, and uh, you know, watch the video. And uh, the kid said, you know, he's a 26 year old guy and had a brand new little family, new, new, uh, new child. And he just said, you know, I've been given a new lease on life. And I mean, he, his tumor shrunk really dramatically. Wow. And, you know, it's it's you know, to have to have that. I mean, it was one of the most emotional things to think that guy's alive because I did this. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's that's. That's yeah. shocking. And and I had a doctor uh, just a couple of years ago that, you know, we were at a big medical conference and he came up to me and said, I just want you to know that because of you, there are hundreds of people that I've treated that are alive. And and to, to have, have that, it's like, my gosh, that's, you know, I could, I could be done right now and that's enough, right? I mean, <laughs> just to, to help one person, you know, but, but uh, you know, I, if I can help one people, what about helping hundreds of thousands or, you know, millions yeah. of people? And that's, you know, you kind of get addicted to that to say, I could really change the world. I could, I could really make a difference here. And that's, you know, that's what gets me, like I said, gets me up every morning. That's what, what I'm excited about. And yeah, I mean, it's been one of, you know, I've written lots of scientific papers and gotten grants and all these things. And none of that means anything to me more than, you know, if, if I could help a real person and that's, you know, that, I trade all of that for, for helping one person. Oh, it's amazing. You know what I wish is that I had you as a professor, <laughs> especially my <laughs> science classes, because you have made it all so relatable. It's not only the process of proteins and, and, and enzymes and all that good stuff. I mean, it, I, I, sometimes I, 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 I did pull my hair out, but <laughs> I was there, but it's to make it, something that was very relatable and seeing how it impacts others that really drew it all in. And I just, I, I want to thank you for that, that simplicity of explanation because it's not easy to do. Again, I've seen all of your PhDs, masters, everything else that, that's there, but talking to you like this, I would never think that and not taking any way from your your intellectual prowess, but it made it simple for someone like me to understand. And that's magical. That's absolutely magical. Oh. And on top of that, another testament of, of what you're doing that has a mission. I've talked to a number of your employees in, in a couple of different companies, and they can't they can't say enough about David Mears. 
<laughs> they just can't. And I know you don't you don't need all that that pat on the back no. kind, of, kind of thing, but the fact is that you allow them to thrive in their own way. And so here's science, but then here's the 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 people element. Good grief, man. I say you keep it up. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll I'll keep at it for sure. <laughs> I love it. No, David, I, I have to thank you for your time. I know it's precious. You bet. And uh, look forward to all the amazing things that you'll be doing. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, I, I I hope to be, come back and tell you about some more exciting things in the future. So looking forward to it.